I thought that last week was Brother Kurt being sick um, in the hospital. He would not have a chance to prepare this week as he was supposed to preach. So I thought this would be a good time to use an outline I just had in reserve. You know, people say that this book, the Bible, is not relevant to modern mankind. It's just a bunch of stories. It's myths. It's legends. There's no historical basis. Or if they do say, well, yeah, there were the Jewish people. But what does it mean for modern mankind? That's a bunch of stuff for you people who, you know, you were superstitious. But now we know more about science, about medicine, about many things. So the Bible doesn't really speak to my needs as a modern 21st century man who's educated, who can think, who can, you know, I don't need that imaginary God that you've come up with. But let me suggest that this chapter of Scripture tells us in very clear terms the relevance of the scriptures and the Christian faith to modern mankind. Men and women, whatever race or ethnicity, this letter of Timothy is probably Paul's last letter that he writes before he's executed. It's a letter of instruction to this godly young pastor who's been traveling with Paul for many years. Paul is about to die. Timothy is going to be the pastor of various churches. But you see here in chapter 3, probably written 64, 65 AD or so, almost 2,000 years ago, that Paul looks at the modern world, the world of the Greco-Roman culture. And he speaks clearly to what 21st century modern America and the rest of our world is like. Look what he says. Know this, Timothy, the pastor, in the last days, Perilous times will come. The 
the last days is this period from the first coming of Christ to the second coming. This long extended period of grace. But the Messiah has been given and the Messiah will return. And Paul says, Timothy, don't be surprised. In this last period, before Christ returns, the world is going to be an increasing mess of sin, of temptation, of satanic influence, of wickedness. When you read these first nine verses, don't you see a picture of modern society, of modern people, of broken families, of just increasing wickedness. Now my intent today is not to go through I think it's 18 sin patterns that he talks about. His list here is similar to Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 1. But I do want you to see that what Paul says, don't expect the world by moral goodness, by religion, by education, by training, by science, by these things to become better. Because those things do not change the human heart. The human heart is desperately wicked. And out of the heart, comes gross wickedness. So what does Paul say? Just look at this list. Men will be lovers of selves, of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, Unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of self, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Stay away from such people. We could go on. He says, there will be men who creep into households and seduce women. Men weighed down with lust, seducing others weighed down with lust. Isn't this not a picture 
of our society. Now, if we're honest, we could look at this and say, I see some of myself in this list. Maybe, perhaps, in everything he says in some way. I remember we were going through this years ago in a small group, about 10 people. And like everybody there said, yeah, I see myself in this group somehow. And if we're honest, we realize our sins are greater than what we like to admit. But the gospel, cheer up, is greater than our sins. Now, my purpose today is not to try to explain all these sin categories. Uh, they tie in closely with Romans 1 and other verses. They tie in closely with the Ten Commandments. And Mark, you could preach this on the street. Uh, this is the human condition. This is the people we meet. Yes, full of blasphemy, proud, boastful, arrogant, unthankful, brutal, disobedient to parents. Don't we see this in our society? But what I want to focus on is the deeper sin of idolatry that from our idolatrous arts comes all these other sin patterns. Arts of the flesh, I mean, our deeds of the flesh, of speech, of thoughts, what we think about, what we say, what we do. Why are we blasphemers? Why do we disobey? Why are we proud and boastful? That really, the root sin is our idolatry against God. That we don't love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So the first of the Ten Commandments, the first two deal with our worship of God. What is our condition? We are to love God with all our being. <laughs> Now we see this throughout Scripture that we don't do this. We see this in the world, obviously. The world does not love God with everything they have. It shows up 
in false worship, in false religion, in all sorts of sin patterns. But what I'm concerned about today, well, that's true in the world. How does that show up in us today as Christians? We say we believe the gospel, but how do these things tempt us? How does this affect our lives? So I want to look at three idols that Paul mentions in this section. And uh, just think about what he's getting at. That if idolatry, a lack of love toward God that leads to false religion and false worship, what are the idols? Now, to back up for a second, we read uh, Psalm 115 that in the history of mankind, people have created gods to worship, often with great creativity and beauty. But God's made of gold, silver, stone, wood. Or they worship the sun, the moon, the stars. Man has given themselves to worship not the true and living God. Because we are called to worship. It's part of our our being, we're made to worship, but we worship falsely. Now, many of us are going to say, well, I don't do that. I don't go to some temple. I don't bow before a statue or a block of wood. And the psalmist in 115 shows how futile that is, to pray and worship to that physical thing that has eyes but can't see, ears but can't hear, mouths but can't speak, feet that can't move, and etc. In fact, the psalmist says, it's not any foolish and useless, but it numbs us to true worship and the person who worships idols becomes like the idol. Why do people do this? The scriptures say in several places the idols are full of demonic power. There's something in the power of the devil that keeps people coming back to these false forms 
of worship. But let's look not so much at that, but at the three idols that are really idols of the human heart. So look what he says. Um, in the first, in the second verse. In these end times, men will be lovers of what? Lovers of self. There is one of our big idols. The fact is, I don't love God. I don't love my neighbor like I should because I love myself. I don't love the worship of God. I can skip church on Sundays because I want to do what I want to do. I don't care about people, perhaps, because it's all about me. So you see, the relevance that Paul is speaking of to every generation. Our first big idol is we love ourselves. Isn't that true? Why is a child disobedient? Because they're selfish. Why do husbands not love their wives properly? Or wives, their husbands or children? Because it's often selfishness. It's about me and my needs. Why do people steal? Because I want the other person's stuff. We covet. We desire. Because I want to please myself and be happy. It's about me and my happiness and my kingdom. Lovers of self. Lovers of self. Does not this idol cause us to break the first four commandments? of the Ten Commandments about worship of God, about blasphemy, profaning His name, keeping the Sabbath day holy. We just don't worship God because it's about me. The second, because I'm a lover of self, I break the second table of the Ten Commandments. I don't honor my parents. I can be murderous, immoral, tell lies, steal, covet, be envious. So you see, this idol of self leads us to all sorts of sin. And I would say, everything Paul lists here comes from the fact that by nature, we're selfish. 
Wide again. Kill Abel. Because he didn't like what God said about his sacrifice. And so he was jealous of his brother. So he acted selfishly. I'll take care of my brother. Throughout human history, the love of the self has prompted all sorts of sin. So, brothers and sisters, how does this idol affect your life today? How does this cause you to do things that are displeasing to God? Let's show, I don't really love God today. And I don't really love other people. You have to ask the Spirit to show you these things. It may not be evident to the rest of us. But you know, it can show up in many ways. Oh yeah. I won't go to church on Sunday. It's a day for me to stay home and just please myself. Watch football or whatever. Just be entertained. Or I don't care about missions or I don't care about people who are suffering. I've got to just take care of me and my family. Just ask the Spirit to show you how this shows up in your life, in my life. Now the second thing that Paul said, besides being a lover of self, the next thing he says, men will be lovers of money. Here's another big idol that has governed Mankind for thousands of years. By nature, in our sin, it's not that you just don't love God or people as we should. We have this love of money, materialism, and greed. And what does that promote us to do? So we read First Timothy 6. It's not actual money that's a problem. We need money to transact business and run life, to buy goods. But the problem is we love it. We want it. And Paul says, that love of money causes all sorts of evil behavior. Now, you've seen this all across human society. Why do people excel in being drug dealers? 
because they put their business skills to making lots of money much easier than it would be to work at McDonald's. Why should I work there when I can make, make ten times the amount of money by dealing drugs or doing something else? Um, people have done all sorts of sinful things because they want what money can give them. It's pleasures. The stuff you can have. The houses. The, uh, the good life. And so, um, that love of money, coupled with the fact I don't love God, and I don't love people. I am going to do what I want to do to be happy, to be pleased, and to have it all. Again, we see this in the world. So Paul is saying, in the last days, men will be idolatrous. They won't love God. They're going to be lovers of money. We've seen it for thousands of years. We see it in corporations. We see it in big oil companies. We see it in big pharmaceutical companies. We even see it sometimes that a storekeeper just in a little shop can be corrupt and dishonest and take advantage of a customer just because he wants to get it over on somebody because he's greedy. So, it's a big sin pattern. But, it's a sin pattern rooted not in money itself. That dollar bill is wrong. It's rooted in the fact that we love money more than God. It's as simple as that. So, again, we see it in the world, but how does it affect you today? Allow God's Spirit to search you and say, you know something, this shows up in your life. Perhaps how you treat somebody in need, or a family member, or your concern or lack of concern about human suffering. Or just to say, I'm not content with a three-bedroom house. I need to get a bigger house and fill it with more stuff. Paul said in First Timothy 6 that 
Godliness with contentment is of great gain. We're not sometimes content with what God has given us. And so, we go to the idol. Let me please myself. Let me get more. Let me make more. Why do some people say, I have to work Sundays. I can't go to church. I have to work seven days a week to care for myself and family. We don't trust God to provide if we obey His commandments, if we live by faith. So, Jesus said, can't serve money and God. But Paul said here, men will serve and love themselves and men will love money. Again, how does it affect you today? It's easy to say, that person over there is very greedy and materialistic. But, what about me? How does this idol affect me today? What perhaps do I need to change and turn from? Because, again, we could say, well, I gave 10% to the church, but the other 90% is for me to do what I please. And if I make more, I'm just giving 10%. Again, how does it affect us? Now, one more idol that Paul mentions down in verse 4. Now he's listed many sins. We don't have time to look at them all. But he names one more love that mankind has. And unfortunately, it creeps into the church. It affects even us as Christians. So a love of self, a love of money. And in verse 4, he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So here's another big idol of our heart. It's not that I just love myself, but I want to be, I want to have pleasure. I want to have comfort. I want to be happy. I want to be pleased. I can't have discomfort. I can't have anything that's troubling. Wow. How does this 
affect us. Again, I don't care about the suffering and concerns of my neighbor as long as I'm happy in my house or whatever. I can't go out on 69th Street and uh, share the gospel with us. It's too cold. It's too rainy. I want to stay home. Put my feet up. We have a friend, a niece who came home one day after a long day, just wanted to have supper, put his feet up, have a cup of tea, and this person kept calling him. A Muslim person asking for help because of a fight with his wife. And he kept saying, I don't want to do that. I just want to stay home. And my tea. But finally, his wife said, we have to go talk to this couple. And they spent hours. And it had an effect on this couple to get them to move toward believing Christ. But that's the way we are. It's about my kingdom, my pleasure. And so, I want to be comfortable. I want to stay at home. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be into any conflict. I don't want to experience trouble. This love of pleasure. Think about it. It causes us to abuse our bodies, to overeat, abuse alcohol, use drugs. People use drugs at least sometimes because they want to get high. It feels good. I can forget about my troubles for a few minutes. Why do people give their lives the sexual pleasure? Because it feels good. Why do we say, I'll feel better if I could just go shopping, spend some money, buy some new clothes, whatever. It's all about my happiness and my pleasure. You know, again, the world says, it's about you, it's about number one, look around for number uno, eat, drink, be merry, pursue life, liberty, happiness. What do we say? I must be happy. But you know, the Christian life is all, not always about being happy. There is trouble in the world because there's sin. There's the flesh. 
there's the devil. We live in a world that does not love God. And therefore, we see much trouble. We will see people in systems who will hate us and living the Christian life is not always going to be pleasant because if we follow God, the world won't be happy. And so sometimes people think if I come to Jesus, life will just be good. I won't have any hardship or struggles or disease. I'll be prosperous. Everything will be nice and easy. That's not what the scriptures promise. The Christian life. And he says it right up front. Timothy, in the last days, there's going to be trouble because there's a great deal of sin and disobedience in the world. And it's ruled by these idols. So, the love of self, money, pleasure, on the back of the handout, it's kind of a, a little chart that helps us. It's like an iceberg. The tip of the iceberg, our overt sin, like I stole something. Well, that's a sin. But why? What's the heart sins below the surface? That's not an exhaustive list, list but pride, ego, coveting, selfishness. These are the hard things that drive us to overt speech and behavior. But let me suggest, and this, uh, this uh, illustration comes from Jack Miller of the New Life Churches, that idolatry is the root sin that drives the heart and the overt sins. So it's not just dealing with what was the tip of the iceberg, which might be a serious sin. You know, to break into a bank and steal, it's serious. But God wants us to deal with the sins of the heart and the idols that fill the heart and the outward behavior. So let this illustration help you today to think about dealing with how do I love myself more than God without my whole being? What do I hold back? How do I love money? How does that affect me? How do I love pleasure? 
out of these things drive me today. Yes, we see it in the world. We must preach this to the world. You don't know God. You don't know Jesus. Because this is your sin pattern. But what about us in the church? The world, yes, must repent. But how is God calling us to live a more holy life devoted to Him? Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Help us to see clearly that even as Christians, we still have idols that rule our hearts. Let us see them, repent of them, and to desire to be holy. That is to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen.